T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome back inside the clubhouse right here on 670 The Score from the Hyundai Score Studios. Talking baseball until 11 o'clock like we do every Saturday morning. I am David Haw, along with Bruce Levine. It is a beautiful day on Father's Day weekend, and we are just two dads full of fatherly advice for the Cubs and White Sox. Plenty of plenty bad dad jokes too, Bruce, right? Good morning. How are you? David, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's one of those uh, days that uh, and weekends that you uh, always look forward to as a father. And uh, you always look forward to uh, good baseball and summer weather beginning. And that's that's what we have. We have at least summer weather beginning, David. Uh, we at have this point summer in time. weather beginning, and ho- hopefully it's a little bit cooler this weekend than it has been this week. And uh, the Sox are down in Houston where it is, uh, I think it was 97 last night for the first pitch at the, in the juice box, and the Cubs are going to enjoy a beautiful day today at Wrigley Field uh, against the Braves. So let's start there. On Friday it, at Wrigley Field, the Cubs ended the 10-game losing streak, and they also ended – the 14-game winning streak by the Braves, beating them one to nothing in a real tight game. Bruce, well pitched, kind of crisp. It, it wasn't what I expected. I don't think anybody expected that, but the Cubs finally get back in the win column. And then last night, very difficult to watch. The White Sox return to reality against the Astros uh, in a, in a building where they haven't won in seven straight games dating back to 2019. 13 to three, Bruce. It was ugly. And it was one of those games that felt like it undid all the good that was done in Detroit. Well, I won't go as far as you did, David. Uh, I mean, they won three in a row there. They took care of business against a Detroit team that's uh, struggling. But uh, you had a good ball game for five innings. You know, you had a a 3-3 tie, and then Giolito kind of lost it. And, uh, you know, Giolito, to his own credit, has been talking lately about the fact that – he is not uh, the pitcher that he expects to be. He is not getting it done. And, uh, you know, uh, when you look at 
his uh, his games, uh, you know, the ERA is climbed to almost five at this point. It's not what you expect from the uh, big, strong, and uh, ace-like pitcher of the Chicago White Sox. No, it isn't. And we'll get to his comments in, in a moment. I mean, he, he went five innings. He gave up eight runs. He was rocked. And I think he called it god-awful after the game in a quote, and I don't think anybody was in a position to argue with that. But, Bruce, I want to get back. I, I think, isn't that the reaction? I, I don't want to overreact, but wasn't that the first instinct for a lot of Sox fans watching after the three-game sweep in Detroit? You see they have a day off, and we talked about all that was possible in Houston, and then you see what happened last night. It felt like game five of the ALDS, an extension of what the domination was last October. Isn't it natural to think that what, that one game, those bad feelings returning, like – did what happened in Detroit really happen? Did it really mean anything? Were we fooled and duped by them taking advantage of a bad team in Detroit? Because against the Astros, the White Sox looked as flawed as they have all season. Well, I, I think it's fair to allude to the fact that uh, since uh, the mi- middle of last year, the White Sox have had trouble beating, uh, quote-unquote, good teams. Right. So I, I think that that's fair. Uh, you know, can they take care of business against the other teams and still be a, an 87 to 92 win team, a team that's a playoff consideration type uh, uh, going toward uh, the end of the year? I, I think I think that's the question. And, and I, I don't concern myself as much with uh, Lucas Giolito. I don't think he's hurt. I think that, uh, you know, the league is caught up to him. Are they, is he tipping his pitches? I think that's a very a good possibility at this point as well because, uh, you know, he, he, pitched, he pitched well enough through the first five. He just, once he hit the sixth, you know, he just hit a wall and, and his stuff was getting hit everywhere. So from, from that perspective, uh, I, I do think the White Sox still have the, the very good potential to be a good team in this league. Uh, as to whether or not they're going to hold up, uh, whether that bullpen's going to hold up under uh, you know this pressure, uh, you know with Hendricks going down, that's a major concern. I think the story of the week for the Chicago White Sox is not sweeping Detroit. It's not losing the first game to Houston. It's the uh, viability of Liam Hendricks going forward. Ooh, that's a good uh, because, point, Bruce. Yeah, because it, as as important as Tim Anderson is to this team and, and how you can't lose him, I think Hendricks uh, is a total, not game changer, it's a season changer for the White Sox if he is more than just a couple weeks uh, with this forearm situation that sometimes means uh, elbow situation for a pitcher. On that, we agree, my friend. I think the injury news about Liam Hendricks this week put put that at the top of my list of concerns potentially because a closer with a slight tear in his UCL is not a good thing to consider moving forward, even if he has dealt with it for a number of years. 312-644-6767. What's your top concern for the White Sox? Or maybe put another way, which was closer to reality? What we saw last night against the Astros in a 13-3 loss or the sweep in Detroit where we thought maybe they had turned things around after their little dust-up in the – in the dugout between Lance Lynn and Joe McEwing. Let us know what you think. Bruce, I want to get back to Giolito for a moment because he wasn't sharp last night. Even Dusty Baker, uh, a manager who knows him well from their days together in Washington, noted afterward he didn't have it. And I think that people paying close attention might not have been surprised. Even Lucas Giolito 
has acknowledged the fact that he's working with something, maybe working through something. And he was on the station last Sunday morning with Cody Decker acknowledging that much. I'm like not exactly in the best place right now. Uh, I'm kind of out of sync um, mechanically over the last like three or four starts, to be honest. Um, so, you know, there's some work to be done here, adjustments to be made. Um, really haven't been pitching well. Like I'm not, I'm not proud of what I've been doing the last uh, couple weeks here. So uh, got to pick it up. Bruce, that was last Sunday morning on hit and run with Cody Decker. Lucas Giolito kind of foreshadowed the difficulties that he experienced last night. Yeah, and uh, look, it's obvious to anybody watching uh, Lucas that he's not quite there. I mean, the strikeouts seem to be there, but uh, for some reason, you know, the the changeup is not working the same way that it was in the past, and with Lucas, it's a it's a changeup that he uses high in the zone. So uh, you, you wonder, with the fastball being there, with the changeup being there, uh, that he, he is not able to change the, the hitter's eye level enough right now, that the ball is coming in at the same plane for both pitches, and th- there's just not the crispness that he's had before with his pitches. So, uh, you know, smarter guys and better technology uh, technicians than me can uh, help figure this thing out with the White Sox. It's up to the Giolito to make the adjustments. Johnny Cueto against Justin Verlander today. That is an old school matchup between two veterans who uh, have a lot to offer. It's going to be a very interesting game down in Houston this afternoon. It is a day game. Bruce, the big news, though, I think in terms of their starting rotation is that in the primetime nationally televised game on Sunday night, Michael Kopech. That's good news yesterday. He apparently will start on Sunday after leaving the game last Sunday with what at the time felt like the image that was a microcosm of the 2022 season for the White Sox when he left the mound after experiencing knee discomfort and he took the ball and he threw it hard enough against the ground that he probably dented the turf. That was a, that was a, a moment in time that was frustration it was anger it was everything that White Sox fans felt watching this team and Michael Kopech I'm relieved Bruce and a little surprised that he's not going to miss a start the news yesterday was good that he will be on the mound on Sunday night in Houston yeah you know some of his comments afterwards are a little concerning and and that is he he said uh David that he's going to uh feel something probably for the rest of the year in that leg. And I, I'm not quite sure what that means. Uh, you know, do you, do you let him continue to go out there knowing that it's not right? Or do we understand that in June and uh, as seasons go on for baseball players, the knowledge that something isn't perfect is always there for them. But, you know, here, here was an injury that knocked him out of the game uh, a week ago. He's, he's uh, one of the top commodities in the game of baseball and certainly for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, But, uh, you know, giving him a week, I feel, you know, they must feel, David, that uh, that's enough and uh, that uh, there is no ligament damage. There is no no damage there from the MRIs and that he's good to go. But, Bruce, before we switch to the Cubs, let me ask you this. 
you're if you're the Sox and you've got your closer missing at least a couple weeks with a slight tear in his forearm where he has dealt with before, and you have a top-of-the-rotation starter in Michael Kopech who's going to the mound with a knee situation that he acknowledges is going to bother him uh, maybe the rest of the year. You have Lance Lynn coming back, making his debut from an injury, and you have uh, Aaron Bummer is down. Where is your level of confidence in the pitching that was you know, potentially going to carry this team moving forward? Well, you know, we, we see it all over the place. I mean, you have a rotation full of injuries with the Chicago Cubs. There, there's not one guy in the rotation other than uh, than Steele, uh, and, and he had a, an issue last time out uh, that hasn't been injured. Even Hendricks was, uh, you, you have to say he was injured because he missed two weeks. Uh, you know, they held him back with some shoulder issues. So, the short and spring training, uh, you know, I continue to bring that up because it's real and it was only 24 days and it was a joke. But, uh, you know, right now, uh, my confidence with the Chicago White Sox pitching is about the same as anywhere in baseball, you know, other than uh, the New York Yankees and the, uh, uh, you know, may- maybe the, um, I don't know, San Diego Padres, who have a tremendous pitching staff uh, with, with a very few injuries. I mean, even the Dodgers are dealing with the uh, with uh, severe injuries New York the Mets uh, are dealing with uh, two major injuries and they're dominating in the, in the National League uh, East other than uh, Atlanta coming on strong here uh, you know Atlanta has two of the top three or four pitchers in baseball that have been on the shelf uh, most of the year in uh, you know with with DeGrom uh, and Scherzer so Scherzer's on his way back. But my, my point is, is that uh, the confidence for the White Sox pitching staff is about the same. You know, it's just, you know, injuries have taken their toll. We have to see how Lance Lynn comes back here uh, after the, you know, first start, which, you know, was probably more of a rehabilitation start than anything else. I think the next one is going to be telling for White Sox Nation. Speaking of dominant starting pitching, the Cubs got their contribution yesterday from Keegan Thompson. Bruce Six innings, two hits against the defending World Series champions. They needed that in the worst way. They hadn't won a game since June 4th. Ten straight losses. Everybody knew going in. It had been repeated on the station pretty much all day. This was the first time since 1999 a a team with a double-digit losing streak was playing a team with a double-digit winning streak. And yet Keegan Thompson did exactly what the Cubs needed him to do. He was strong. And then David Robertson picks up the save. And they manufacture a run in the bottom of the eighth. Jonathan VR, that was a real strong piece of hitting by Christopher Morrell to just make contact in that situation. The Cubs looked like a team that um, did the little things right for a change and did that to, to get a victory on Friday at Wrigley Field. Bruce, where is the best fit for Keegan Thompson moving forward? You know, today's baseball, today's pitching staffs, there's so much that is – there's so much value in having a guy that is as versatile. You can bring him in after he's an opener. You can bring him in in whatever high leverage situation you want. But yet Keegan Thompson probably wants to be in that starting rotation. Has he done enough in your mind to stay there? Well, I'll throw it back to you, David. When you got an arm like that and you got a potential like that, do you want him to burn the innings in the middle innings? Or do you want to work at what his real potential is, and that is to be a part of that rotation? I, I, I'll, my opinion is he goes into the rotation. I, I, I can't afford 
on a team like the Cubs who are in a rebuild right now to look at him as a middle reliever. I think the, the goal is to build his starting innings up, get him as much, um, uh, you know, as much education as far as being a starter in the major leagues, let him go through some bumps and bruises. But, you know, is there anything that tells you the future isn't as a uh, starter for Keegan Thompson rather well, than de- a middle reliever? It, it, it depends on what kind of pitching staff you're putting together, and it depends upon your approach because – Bruce, if this is a if this is going to be a contending team at some point in Keegan Thompson's tenure as a Cub, where whenever that may be, um, and we'll talk about that future later. I, you, you got Caleb Killian, you've got uh, Justin Steele who goes today against Kyle Wright against the Cubs. You've got Marcus Stroman, you've got Kyle Hendricks. You know Keegan Thompson could be very valuable if you use him creatively and if you use him in a way that takes advantage of his versatility. What is better? Uh, the way starting pitchers are going these days, five innings every fifth day or having, you know, give you three good ones and then four days later, three days later, give you two more good ones in a high leverage situation. I I think it's not as clear cut as it used to be. And so I'm, I I know we're not supposed to do this on Sports Talk Radio. I'm going to reserve judgment here. I'm going to wait and see who else emerges. What's up with Adbert Alzali? because of his potential inclusion in that starting rotation. So I, I don't know yet, and I think that it's fair to wait because he is a very talented young pitcher. Let's let's not forget about the uh, dreaded innings, uh, you know, status that teams look at. Look, Let's compare Thompson to Michael Kopech last year, okay? That's so, a great comparison. So Michael Kopech was a middle reliever for most of the year, stretched out two, three innings. Pretty much the same job that uh, that Thompson's been doing. However, uh, it left him with 69 innings going into this season, which put him in him and the White Sox in the mode of, oh, oh, okay, he's a starting pitcher. He replaces Rodon, no problem. Except. We're probably going to have to hold him to about 125 to 130 innings, okay, this year. Um, you know that was revisited with Rick Hahn recently, probably uh, 10 days ago, two weeks ago. He said, "Well, the pitcher will tell us everything we need to know about how many innings uh, he can throw." So, from all of that, I don't want Thompson being a 70 80 inning pitcher and then Cubs having to figure out whether he can make it to 150 the, the following year. Uh, I think that the one thing that I, I dislike about baseball the most is make babying pitchers who cannot be babied. I don't believe you can do it. Okay. You either have to build their arms up to 150 and if they can't handle it, they're going to blow out. David, and they're not going to be major league pitchers or they're going to have Tommy John. They'll come back and try it again. There is no way from my experience that I've ever seen anybody be able to protect a pitcher against injury by limiting his innings. That is nonsense. And I just don't believe in it. That's a great thing to talk to a former major league pitcher about Jim Deshays, who will join us at 1030 that is a great topic and a launching point for that conversation. Also, we've got Chip Carey coming up. He's in town with the Atlanta Braves. We'll talk to him at 10. We've got a lot of good stuff along the way, a little chin music, if you will, from the White Sox dust up in the dugout earlier this week. But next, 
Jed Hoyer spoke this week for 33 minutes. What did he say, and why did he not give a timetable about when the Cubs will be uh, part of the next great Cub team or the next great Cub season? We'll talk about that next. It's Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back. Thank you for listening this morning. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm David Haw with Bruce Levine. Talking Cubs right now. We'll get to the White Sox who had a clunker down in Houston. And we've got plenty to say about that moving forward. But Bruce, for 33 minutes... The other day, Jed Hoyer spoke about the state of the cup. I thought it was a welcome surprise, if you will. I didn't think he would take that much time to address everything. I have been calling for transparency. I think a lot of people have been looking for a little clarity. And uh, he did his best to provide some, even not being afraid to say that he didn't know what the timetable was. And he wouldn't promise you don't want to overpromise and underdeliver, but I do think there were some things in there that were worth exploring. There were some clues and hints along the way. What was your biggest takeaway from what Jed Hoyer had to say? Well, I think right at the end of that soundbite, he said, I don't really know um, where we're at exactly. And I think the injuries to Stroman, uh, the injuries to Suzuki, uh, the lack of offense, uh, the injuries to the pitchers, has kind of pushed this thing that probably they were hoping would go July, August and be more competitive to um, reporters like myself and you, David, and people at the score and all the people that cover the Cubs looking at, wow, can't we get to the deadline, trading deadline right now? I mean, you know, can't we get this season over with? Because it it doesn't look like it's going to be competitive. It doesn't look like it's going to be fun. With the addition of Suzuki, with the addition of Stroman, uh, with, uh, you know, Hendricks coming back, uh, you know, with a bullpen that started off the season pretty well, um, it, it looked like it would be at least, you know, a marginally competitive team. And, and it's, and it's been uh, anything but that due to injury and uh, the fact that, uh, you know, they're just one of the, record-wise, one of the worst teams in baseball right now. I hate that you're right. And, and I hate the fact that we are here on June 18th and even before this day that you had to start to anticipate, look ahead, and uh, – really plan for the trade deadline and boy the Cubs are not worth watching so let's start speculating I I think we are there but I don't have to like it and I think that they are accepting that reality and that's what you heard from Jed Hoyer's voice because the next uh, the next uh, I think big decision will have who do you move how can you move them and what will you get in return and so the, the thing that surprised me the most Bruce because those are good observations was that I think he did go out of his way. Or not, that's probably misstating it. Let, let me rephrase that. I think that he made a point to make sure that people knew that there was no ambiguity in terms of the Cubs' support, Jed Hoyer's support of David Ross, and that they thought that under these circumstances, difficult as they are, different as they are from the day that David Ross took the job, that they believed that he still 
is the right manager for this project and that they still think that he's doing, quote unquote, as he says here, a great job. I think he's done a great job. Um, he's the same person every day. You know, I think every conversation we have is about how to, how to, how to make guys better. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't see any, any issues with him whatsoever. Um, you know, it's difficult. I mean, we've had, um, you know, so some of the matchup stuff we planned out or some of the you know, platoons or some of the things, things that we had hoped for you haven't materialized. So there's probably times he's not getting the matchups he would want or, or things haven't lined up the way we probably planned. And so, um, been playing with a short bench a lot of times, you know, because of injuries or, you know, um, our pen's been tired, and so he's had to stay away from guys. So I just think those are the things that, um, understandably, um, you know, fan, fans don't always know, like, who's down, who's injured, who's available, who's not. And so um, I know those things, and so I know, um, you know, the various constraints he's had to work under uh, because of our injuries and things like that. And um, I think all things considered, I think he's done a – He's done a great job. I mean, you know, he's frustrated. I'm frustrated. We'd sit there at night and you know talk through it, but all the conversations are really productive. Bruce, I would say respectable. I don't know that I would use great. Well, you can never be great when you got a uh, a 24 win team. You know, after uh, 64, 65 games, it, it, you're always going to look bad. I, I I always go back to what Jim Leland told me in uh, the middle 1990s. The first first three years in the 90s, he had a team that came within an, uh, inches of going to the World Series. Uh, you remember the, you know, Atlanta Braves game and uh, Cabrera, you know, hit and them beating him out in uh, the ninth inning of a seventh game. But the, the reality of what he said always stuck with me. And certainly under these situations, David, that uh, that Ross has, and that is, you know, when I had good players, I'm a, I'm a really good manager. And when I have horse blank players, uh, I'm a real bad manager. And, and and he meant it with all due respect to the fact that uh, the manager is important, but he, he can't be blamed for uh, having a really bad team and, and losses, okay? What he can, <clears throat> what his responsibility is, and I think what Hoyer is talking about is the fact that he goes from prodding on and making sure a team that's competitive is responsible every day to a player development coach rather than a manager of a major league team. And I think that's a distinction that people should try to understand when they try to evaluate a manager with a team uh, like the, uh, the record that uh, Ross has right now. And that's a job description that changes and evolves depending on the roster. And I think that you have seen that firsthand with David Ross. He was hired, if you recall, to kind of eradicate the complacency in the clubhouse. And the big question was, can you manage your friends and win uh, a division? And that was when he had Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and Kyle Schwarber and those guys to manage. Now it is much different as you described. It's a more of a developmental project. It's more of a, a bringing guys along. You see a good examples with Christopher Morrell. You see other examples that maybe haven't gone so well. You see a lot of learning. You see a lot of educating and, uh, and I think developing that uh, maybe David Ross didn't anticipate doing when he took over. Let me ask you this, Bruce, because let's shift to the direction. Jed Hoyer wasn't able to put a timetable on it. You know, you wonder how long the, the job description will stay as we just described it. It all depends, I think, on how quickly they want to pivot and spend 
and and replenish and I think reward in the case of Wilson Contreras. It looks like the sides are going to stay far apart. They didn't uh, have to go to the arbitration hearing. But before we get to what Wilson Contreras told you about where things stand, how would you tie in how they handle Contreras with how quickly the Cubs are willing to compete and contend again? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I, I don't think we can answer it all. all uh, I'll, I'll answer that again by asking you this. Has the narrative changed, David, in your mind from the beginning of the year in Contreras to now? In other words, you didn't know the Cubs were going to be in the situation they are right now that they're going to be totally non-competitive. And, and I'm not saying they won't get better during the year because as these young starting pitchers evolve – they might get better as they lengthen out their uh, their starts. But my question back to you is, has the narrative changed to the point where if you thought you were going to have Contreras, now does it look uh, a bridge too far to sign a 30-year-old catcher to a four-year deal? Well, I do think that that's fair to wonder, and I do understand why they would be reluctant to do so. But I also don't think the Cubs, who are 14th in the league in their payroll, would have to, you know, explain themselves like, oh, my gosh, what are the Cubs doing overspending on a 30-year-old catcher? I think if you are in this position the Cubs are in, that you could totally justify overspending, if you will, taking a financial risk on a guy who is one of the best at his position in baseball. So I don't buy – this this hesitancy and I don't really kind of kind of understand why they're so reluctant to reward a guy and again reward implies you're paying for past performance and it's to some degree you always are going to so I just wonder why they are so hesitant and why they haven't really been more aggressive in trying to hammer something out but as Wilson Contreras told you I believe there hasn't been any kind of interaction any kind of communication between the two sides not yet. Um, even even if, if they have talked, I, I haven't heard anything yet. I told, I told my agent that if something happened, just um, do the best, the best that, the best thing that he can do, and just let me know. But I don't think I don't think they they have communicated yet. That doesn't surprise you, does it, Bruce? Because that typically isn't the case in season. But I guess overall, you know what I'm saying. I I think yeah. it makes sense to me if they would go in that direction. Well, you know, Wilson, uh, and I don't think this is uh, what he's trying to do, is, is putting pressure on them uh, by being right. as open and honest. You know, he's sitting in his locker almost every day, smiling, having arguably his best year, and uh, not being, not pushing back from these type of questions. It's not, it's not doing any, it, there's no problem for him to handle it. There's no problem for him to be honest. And while, while most players say, oh, we're not talking during the season, you know, if you don't want me as a free agent, we're not going to get it done. He's pushing back the other way saying, <laughs> hey, I'm still Wilson Contreras. I'm having right. a great time. We might right. not be winning, but I'm loosey and goosey and ready to, to uh, have fun every day as much as I can and uh, enjoy my teammates. Let, let's listen to Wilson <clears throat> Talk about how he can keep that good attitude and what he learned from an old teammate and a new teammate right now. I learned a lot from Pedro. I learned a lot from uh, the, this guy, Morel, over here. 
it doesn't matter if you have a bad stretch or bad day. They always keep a smile on their face. And that's something that I learned from them. Uh, um, try to keep my my best uh, posture in front of the bad stretch. And that's I think that's the best way to, to confront uh, everything that's happening right now. Pedro Strope. Yeah. yeah, he's talking about Pedro Strope, the former Cub, whose influence remains. And Christopher Morell is the new Chicago Cub whose charisma is contagious. Bruce, that was a, a, a telling comment, and I think you're exactly right. You respect Wilson Contreras for his ability to stay positive in the wake and in the midst of so much losing and so much controversy. Right, and you can uh, read more about that at 670thescore.com. I wrote that entire story about Contreras in his situation right now. And uh, and again, <clears throat> doesn't this tell you that with no pressure, uh, even though he's a free agent and playing his best ball, and one of the reasons why is because he doesn't have to catch every day. He has a, a very competent catcher in Gomes behind him. That, that this is his, the ideal guy for you right now? Uh, you know, uh, uh, To me, it does, even though you hear still whispers way down the hallway, way down the hallway, David. Yeah, but we still don't like the way he catches the ball. Yeah, I know. I know that's a reality, but I do think it'd be worth the investment. And I do respect the way that he approaches his job and, frankly, the way he appreciates where he is. And that was never more evident than yesterday before the game was out there, Bruce, and you saw him and William Contreras, the catcher for the Braves. Today will be a special day for the Contreras family. Both guys, both brothers, will be, I guess, in the lineup, according to the Braves, and it's the first time that's happened and for for Wilson and for William and he was teary-eyed I think talking about it and he's been emotional describing it and you just feel good for the guy he's the kind of leader I think you can embrace and it's easy to like and for the Cubs I think it would be an easy decision but that is what, one a, what a great got. trade that would be David <laughs> Wilson what, for, William? For, for where the teams are at right now yeah well Bruce you wouldn't have to change the back of the jersey <laughs> Be the same. I mean, I mean, it's it's it sounds ridiculous, but if you see where the Braves are at, going after their their second World Championship in a row, and and coming on strong against the Mets, who looked unbeatable and uh, uncatchable a week ago, now 14 games uh, on a winning streak, lost yesterday, but wouldn't Wilson Contreras fit in so beautifully there? And William Contreras, being uh, five or six years younger be the ideal Contreras for the Chicago Cubs right now. I know I know, I know, it's a, a goofy thing to say, but it's so true, I believe. I like it. I like it. Neither team would have to change the back of the jersey. Wilson would make a big impact wherever he ends up. Okay, we're going to shift gears. We've got a little chin music next. Lance Lynn, Joe McEwing talking over dinner options in the dugout. Yeah, right. Okay, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 the score. Come back inside the clubhouse. Bruce Levine, David Haw here until 11 o'clock. High and inside, our oh, chin music, a little chin music, take that hit for a ride. It's time for some chin music. Hey, um, how about a warning? Sure. Watch out you don't get killed. <laughs> because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. 
Yeah, he was trying to get me going. Uh, he kept telling me that, like, filet is better than ribeye. I'm more of a ribeye and potatoes guy. He's a filet and, like, Caesar salad. So I just told him he was wrong. And then he went back to the coaching third. <laughs> Welcome back inside the clubhouse. David Hall, Bruce Levine here at 670, the score until 11 o'clock. That was Lance Lynn trying to explain what everybody saw on the television monitor, what everybody saw that as it was circulated across social media, Lance Lynn going at it with Joe McEwing and Bruce, they weren't talking about steak and they weren't talking about anything other than maybe positioning because Joe McEwing is, is the coach in charge of positioning and shift uh, during shifts. And, and I think Lance Lynn was complaining about something that fell uh, as a bloop single just tell us the truth. Why do they have to talk around this stuff? And it just seemed like a silly nonsense. It was, and, and, and it didn't get any better. Tony LaRusso's explanation was even more elaborate and more uh, confusing. So why, why do they do this, Bruce? Why don't they just tell us what, they, what we know? Well, you know, I'm more of an imposs- impossible burger guy, you know, anyways. <laughs> I, I, what, what are, are you more of a filet or uh a ribeye guy because the ribeye I gotta is tell a... you, I'm more of a salad guy these days but uh, if I were to go uh if I were to order a steak I, I would go with the filet I, I just I think yeah the filet to, you can't miss filet it's it's kind of boring though isn't it I mean it's too perfect of a piece of Bruce, meat you know Bruce, I haven't had you call I have... me boring Bruce why, why, I'm not why calling you, calling you boring? boring I'm calling I'm calling your choice boring the ribeye is a juicier steak. It's a less expensive steak to a certain extent, but it has more fat on it. That's why it's it's uh, it tastes better, but it's worse for you. I think the filet is probably healthier for you if you're going pure meat, but uh, we digress. The reality of the situation is, of course, that Lance Lynn picked the worst time uh, of the year to complain about a defense with the team going through what they were going through, coming back off of an injured list where they need him and his grit and his leadership badly to complain about a defensive shift that didn't work out for him. It was brutally the wrong time, brutally the wrong time to be complaining about that. Is going to disagree with you. I said the day after that I think, regardless, I don't. I didn't like the explanation because I think everybody sh- we're we're all adults here. Let's talk about what really happened, and you can explain this without, you know, sounding foolish. I, I, the steak reference was funny, and the analogy good, but Bruce, everybody knows what was going on. Own it, own it, because that was the right thing Wait, the Sox that's needed. That's not the point. That was it's what they the, needed at the time. But, but they were your dead point going is, into Detroit. Is, it's it's a it's a well. It's a good observation, and you're correct, but it's really not the point. The point is, is that they're going through a rough time. They've been waiting two months for this guy to show up. The first time he shows up, he complains about defensive shifts. Dallas Keuchel did that for uh, two years here with the White Sox when things didn't work out, okay? And, and they drove balls in different positions but, where they're but, playing. You but, know what? But you know what? It was, it was like the first two months of school – with a substitute teacher, well, but, but it's not talking, the right time. You're not, and, but and, you're and not. The teacher's you're not, back. You're not. You're not paying attention. I'm not saying you aren't. He's not paying attention to what's going on with the team. They need leadership at that point, right? They that's need leadership. his. They need his expertise on their. No, that's not leadership. That's 
that's complaining, that's whining. That's, that's what it is. This is no. a team that went no. into Detroit. You're, you're outing a coach about a defensive shift that should have taken place inside the clubhouse. You've heard that term before. It's the name we're, of our show. We're here. We're here. I know. We are inside the clubhouse, Bruce. But, it, and I, but it's and I'm not. Telling you it's the right message sleepy, at the wrong time. Okay. If you want to complain about it, you have a right. But it's not in front of, uh, not in the dugout at that particular point in time. It's not going to change the uh, the result at that point. All it's going to do is put a reflection okay. on you and the coach that you're not communicating during the worst time for the Chicago White Sox. Let me at ask that you this, period. baseball curmudgeon. Let me ask you this, baseball curmudgeon. So. All your experience. You, you just stuttered, by the way. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so all your years watching baseball, how often have you seen a manager say, or you find out later, I got to get thrown out of this game. I'm going to go get thrown out of this game. I need something to happen to light a match, to create a spark. That's what Lance Lynn was doing, whether he realized it or not. I want to give him probably more credit than he deserves. How about, striking, that, why... out the, how about striking out the side? That's going to come okay. next. That, right. that no, do it, do it on the field, okay? Don't out a coach because he was following the metrics department. And again, this isn't LaRusa. This isn't McEwing. It is your metrics department that sent down that chart for you to follow, for Lance Lynn to follow. Right. And if well, he has a complaint, he should go to the metrics people with the White Sox and say, why did you have us in that defense? Good. At Good. that point in time. Good. Because, Bruce, after Lance Lynn lost it in the dugout, every stat geek sitting up a little straighter. Every guy that's going to give you some information is going to be a little bit more clear about what he's asking for. Everybody in that dugout that demanded the attention. This is a team that was underachieving. This was a team that was listless and dull. I didn't think that. Lance Lynn doing what he did. I'm not a big yeller. What were they last night? What were they last night? (laughs) They they need another bad decision by Joe McEwing. This this eight-minute segment here, David, is my favorite segment that we've ever done because it, 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 it has a lot of different opinion, and it also has good points, I think, on your side, and other people have to tell me about mine. But the reality is, is that this was this is what our show is all about every week, you know, just yeah, it's, just two taking sides both sides week. and really and really having a lot of fun with a situation that was no fun for the Chicago White Sox that particular time. They did win three straight after that, but that's beside the point. Lynn didn't pitch in any of those games. Okay, okay, that's a good point too, Bruce. <laughs> Keeping me honest. All right. Well, we will shift gears. We will get. We will let the chin music die down, and we will uh, get a uh, get it going with another good baseball conversation with Chip Carey. He is the voice of the Braves. He is a familiar voice in Chicago. He is back in town this weekend at Wrigley Field, a place he knows very well. And he is. We have the privilege of his time next inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy. The score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.